they they needed to get out. They needed to change locations. Right. When we believed, we got out. Mm-hmm. We we left our previous life, and we are now in Christ. To believe into Christ is to enter into Him, to have a new location. And in Christ, we have God. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Earth Podcast. My name is Zach Carpenter, and today I have two guests with me. Hi, everyone. My name is Michael Boschlinger. Hi, I'm Jake Martin. And this is a new series we are beginning today in which we will go into more depth with topics from our Tuesday night Bible reading time over First and Second Thessalonians. Before we jump into today's topic, we want to give a brief introduction to First and Second Thessalonians. These two epistles are written to a young church, which Paul himself raised up in one month. They reveal the genuine Christian life for the proper church life in a simple and brief way. This term, church life, may be new for a lot of our listeners. So we'd just like to give a brief definition. What we mean by church life is Christ being lived out from you and me. We'd like you to consider this. So this genuine Christian life and proper church life is a life of three dimensions, and these are in the light of the Lord's coming back. An outstanding characteristic of these two epistles is Paul's repeated emphasis of our Lord's coming again. So these three dimensions are first, faith. And our faith is toward God. Second is love. Our love is toward one another, the believers in Christ. And finally, hope. Hope is in the Lord's coming. So with that as kind of an introduction, let's jump more in today, in today, into today's topic from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 your sanctification. And so we can see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then also in verse 7, we see, for God has not called us for uncleanness, but in sanctification. And so this term, you know, is throughout the Bible, but what does sanctification actually mean? And that's what we want to talk about more today. I feel like that's a tricky word to define because you don't really have any verse in the Bible that says strictly sanctification is something. So we're going to need to use a few different verses um, to really cover this, especially since sanctification has two main aspects. Right. It's also a big word. We don't use this kind of word typically in our everyday Christian conversation. I don't typically get asked the question, so how's your sanctification going? Right. (laughs) Now, that being said, doesn't mean we shouldn't be asking that question. And particularly with what is brought to us here, it's the will of God. So this is, I think this is a good topic for us to try to wrestle with and hopefully gain more understanding. 
So I think very briefly, a brief definition of sanctification that helped me in my experience was sanctification is simply to be made holy. When we believe we were sanctified in the Lord. And but there's also two aspects to this word. And so maybe Jake, you could maybe describe something in the Gospel of Matthew to kind of help us with the first aspect of sanctification. Yeah, the, the first one, uh, you're mainly talking about a change in, uh, in where something is. So um, one example in Matthew chapter 23, verse 17, the Lord Jesus is talking about the temple of God, and he's talking about the gold that goes into the temple. And he asked, does the gold sanctify the temple or the temple the gold? But he said, you're foolish if you think that the gold can sanctify the temple. The temple is holy. That's where God lives. And when you bring gold into there, because God is there, now that gold is holy gold. It's set apart for God. So that's definitely one aspect we need to consider about sanctification, that when, when something is changed in its position from being away from God not having anything to do with God and brought back to God or given to God. Now this is something that has become sanctified in its position. Yeah, that, that kind of reminds me even in the Old Testament when God came to rescue his people Israel, they were in Egypt and God came to save them, but his saving them didn't leave them in Egypt. Actually in his salvation, they left, they got out of Egypt and they got moved into a new, a new place. And that new place really sanctified them. It really separated them from that previous life, from all of what Egypt had really enslaved God's people. So even though the Israelites surely believed in God in Egypt, for them to experience salvation, they they needed to get out. They needed to change locations, right, right. and that's a that's a that's our story. You know, as believers, we when we believed, we got out. Mm-hmm. We we left our previous life, and we are now in Christ. To believe into Christ is to enter into Him. To have a new location. And in Christ, we have God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really inter- cool to see how you know God can take us from one place to a whole different place. In such a much more wonderful place than where we were. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, we were in the world. We were doing all the different things just according to who we are. But God intervened. He chose us. He came to us. And he separated us from what we previously were involved with in the world. And I think another really good example of this is in Luke chapter 15, mm-hmm. in the story of the prodigal son. You know, the father had had um, a certain portion and one son came to him and wanted his inheritance um, in that moment. And so the father gave it to him and the son went off into the world to do all these different things and he spent his inheritance and he ended up working at a pig farm or something along those lines. And he realized, like, 
what am I doing? What am I doing here? I'm in the wrong place. I'm not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And so he went back to his father and, you know, he kind of even prepared a speech, like how he was going to say he was going to, how he was going to say he was sorry. But, you know, when he was approaching the father's house, the father ran to him and fell upon his neck and kissed him affectionately. That's what it says in the verses. And so this is the joy that the father has, what God has. When we change in position, we, we come back to him. And so this is a real joy. And so maybe we can talk more about, because Paul in First Thessalonians, you know, in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1 and 10, you know, he says some kind of interesting things. He says, abound still more. Right. You know, we, if we have already been sanctified by believing to the Lord, you know, like we've been talking about, the people of Israel, the temple and the gold, and then even with the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, what does it mean to, to abound still more? You know, sorry, just to go back to Luke 15, to abound still more if we stay with that story. You know, the father embraced the son. The father ran to the son. Mm -hmm. But then the son eventually was brought all the way into the father's house. That's right. And not just there to rest, but he was brought there to feast. Mm -hmm. he, he got new clothes. He got sandals. He got a ring. He was fully brought back to the father's house not as a servant, not not in a low way, but as the son of the father. That's just beautiful that as we are in this process of being sanctified, we are abounding, right? And in one way, maybe we've left our old life behind, but there's still things that are holding us that previously weren't holding us. So we need to abound more to eventually be fully in our Father's house. Mm -hmm. Not to rest merely, but to feast on all that He has prepared for us as believers. That's a really good point because one key aspect of, of that parable is that the Father, He restored His Son and welcomed His Son back lovingly and gave him the, the robe to clothe him. He gave him the ring. He gave him sandals to separate him from the earth. But he also gave him the fattened calf, a wow. rich feast for his enjoyment. If we bring it back to 1 Thessalonians 4 here, one parallel we could see is, is that in verse 8, is it verse 8? It says that his, uh, he has given his Holy Spirit right. to you. That's right. And, and so how wonderful it is that the Lord has restored us. He has sanctified us by bringing us back out of our worldly situation, out of our sinful condition, and brought us back to himself. But how much more he's given himself as the Holy Spirit to us so that he, he can come into us and he can fully fill, fill us until uh, more and more we would have his holy life. Right. So we're, we're really, I think, getting now into the second aspect of sanctification, not merely being just a change in our position. Mm -hmm. Once far from God, now we're near, even we're in his house, we're feasting, but there is now something that is transpiring within us as those who have believed and received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
like it says in First uh, Corinthians six nineteen, that we our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to be given all the room mm-hmm. in us to be fully expressed, fully happy. The temple is his temple. The temple is not ours to do what we like. Actually, it is his now. As those who have believed into him, as those who have been brought back to God, we have been made the very temple of the Holy Spirit. It makes me think of um, that, that other verse in 1 Thessalonians, verse 4. It says, uh, so Paul wants us to learn how to possess our own vessel in sanctification. For us to be the house of God, that means, and, and the temple of God, it means that we're, we're a vessel to be filled by him. And we have to learn how to possess our, our vessel by letting the Holy Spirit come more into us. He's already there. He came into us when we believed and he will never go away. But just like Michael was saying, he needs the whole thing. There's a lot of things in us that we haven't given him the ground to yet. We haven't let him come into these aspects of who we are. But we're learning. We're learning how to possess our vessel. We're learning how to let the Holy Spirit come more into us to sanctify us wholly. That's right. This is really God's desire that he would come in. You know, even a word that is really good to use in this context is saturate. You know, when something is saturated, it's filled with that thing. And so God can saturate our entire being. And First Thessalonians, even in the next chapter, 523, says that he wants to sanctify us wholly. And so this is what the go- go- this is what God is trying to do today. And this is our, our lifelong process. This is our Christian life yes. to endeavor and cooperate with right, the Lord right. in his sanctifying us. We, uh, before we, we started this, uh, we were just thinking of an example and, um, you know, you could consider you're a sponge. We're all a sponge. And at one point, we were far from God, and we, 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 we had no way to express God, to live a life pleasing to God, but we opened our heart to believe in the Lord, and in that experience, we got placed into, in this example, the sponge got placed into a bucket of water. And now, what does the sponge do? The sponge just doesn't float on top of the water, enjoying its new, you know, vacation at the beach. No, a sponge absorbs. A sponge takes in all that it has been placed into. So this is our experience as Christians. We have been positioned in Christ. And Christ today, he's the living water. And he's not the living water for us to float on. He's the living water for us to absorb, to be filled up with. Mm -hmm. And this really shows us these two aspects of our sanctification. 
We're now in the living one. And now this living one is saturating us, is filling all the areas of our life. All that make up you and I are now being filled up with this holy one. That's a really great example, Michael. And so I just wanted to ask Jake, what are some things in your experience that have really helped you to, as Michael pointed out, to absorb this water and not kind of just float around on the surface? Lately for me, I think it's primarily been just having personal prayer with the Lord because I'm at a point in my life where I'm still figuring out a lot of things. Um, I got a lot of questions for the Lord. Um, and I've just been practicing not to just wait for the Lord to give me the answers, but just like, uh, like it says in First Thessalonians, that, that third verse in chapter 4, the will of God is our sanctification. And so the Lord, of course, cares what's happening in my life. And, and so I've, I've been opening all these different things that I'm passing through to him. But I've also been asking the Lord, okay, Lord, before you answer this question, before you, you do this thing for me or give me something, Lord, I want you to fill me. And just, just asking the Lord in a simple way, I think has been, it's been really refreshing my life hasn't changed just because I'm praying. It doesn't mean all of a sudden everything is, is so easy and everything makes sense. But I, I know that when I pray that, the Lord is absolutely filling me. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some, some life that I experience. His Holy Spirit coming more into me as I, as I pray. And I think that example really provides a good summary of everything that we've talked about so far. It's like, before we received the Lord, or positionally where we were as a sponge, you know, we were in the world. It was we were absorbing the wrong things. Um, we were maybe even dry and crusty. You know, we were serving our function as a sponge to absorb something. But when we believed into the Lord, we were brought into His His water, the living water. And here we can absorb and take in all that Christ is and everything that He has done for us and it is doing for us even today. And so we hope this has been helpful to you all. And we, we've definitely enjoyed kind of having this conversation with one another. Right. And I hope that you would join us on Tuesday as we continue to read these two epistles. Uh, I'll put the Zoom information in the description below. And I hope to see you there.